Hello, beautiful humans. Aaliyah Chan here, and welcome to Human First Podcast, a space where I talk to inspiring individuals about their mental health journey in an effort to increase mental awareness, normalize struggle, and end stigma. Together, we embrace hope and celebrate all parts of the human experience. As a mental health podcast, I acknowledge that these sensitive matters may be triggering for some. If you are in crisis, please reach out to the crisis center in the area that you live in or call 911. Your safety is top priority, so please always listen in a way that feels comfortable and safe for you to do so. Thank you so much for joining me here. On today's episode, new mama Abby Hildebrand joins me on the podcast. After miscarrying a baby she did not know she was even pregnant with, prenatal anxiety set in as she began to question her body and her fertility. Once she had gotten pregnant and given birth at the end of 2019, Abby's mental health continued to be a challenge to navigate as she managed through postpartum anxiety and depression, all during the pandemic. Abby gets raw and real with us as she discusses the balance between being energized by your baby and the exhaustion of the long days, and how admitting you need help does not make you any less of a parent. She is now taking her experience to support other parents in a similar position through writing a chapter in a book, Mama's Gotta Grow, coming out later this year, and hosting virtual classes through a collective called Motherwell. And I'm grateful to have her on today to further amplify the voices of new parents. Enjoy. Abby, so nice to finally meet you and get you on the podcast today. Um, I mean, we touched base quickly before we started recording, and it's just really cool to actually chat with you after having just little conversations over social media, um, crazy the world that we live in. So really nice to see your face today and and chat with you today. Ditto. Yeah, right back at you. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on and talk and to talk about what we're going to be talking about today, it's not something that we've had on the podcast yet. And I mean, personally for me, I, as a counselor, really want to get into more like women's health and fertility and everything that encompasses that. And you have lived experience on that. So personally for me, I'm just really excited to learn from you today. Cool. I'm excited to share. It's new for me too, because I'm a, I'm a new mom. So but then that, I mean, it's fresh for you. Your experience is really fresh yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, really, I mean, you probably know the drill. I kind of just like to turn it over to my guests and get them to begin wherever their experience starts for them. Um, and really where, yeah, kind of like your the significance of everything has, has begun. So is it okay if I turn it over to you? Yeah, absolutely. So the beginning, um, For me, I had never really experienced a ton of anxiety. Um, I'd had kind of, I'll say your typical bouts of depression, you know, when you hit your twenties and you have your your quarter life crisis or, or whatever people like to call it. Yeah. Um, And then I had a miscarriage in 2015 and that was kind of in the middle of also, um, I think we attended five funerals in, in two years. So there was like a lot of loss in our life. all around the same time. And when we miscarried, we actually didn't even know we were pregnant until the miscarriage happened. So then it also became this time of like trying to process grieving around something you didn't even know you had. 
And so that was when like anxiety first kind of entered into my realm. Okay. Um, and I became aware of my own, you know, health, um, you know, my menstrual health and just, Mm -hmm. can I even get pregnant? Is, is this a fear that I need to really like base my energy in Mm. anyway, fast forward a few years, 2019, we finally did get pregnant again. And I was feeling really good. I was healthy, um, but there was still this like kind of nagging voice between each doctor's appointment and midwife appointment that like, what if this isn't meant for us? What if we don't Mm -hmm. get to have this baby? And um, so it was like sprinkling itself in my life, this, this prenatal anxiety really. Okay. And then when um, I gave birth to my daughter on Christmas day of 2019, what a gift, <laughs> what the best Christmas present ever. <laughs> um, it, it, I had an emergency C-section. There was a few complications. And so I was like pretty out of it during the process. Um, and thankfully my husband is like strong and steady mm-hmm. and kept his cool, even though I know he was, uh, you know, freaking out on the inside. Right. Um, and so that was, yeah, December 25th, 2019. And these, I'd heard about baby blues. People warned mm-hmm. me about baby blues, but that it only lasts for a week or two. Um, right. But, you know, three months down the road, it was still going on for me. Okay. Um, and that was pre-pandemic. So <laughs> I couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't even blame the world really for what was going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Lot, I mean, lots, 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 lots to unpack there. Um, and thank you so much for sharing that piece with me today. Um, I want to just go back for a second because what you said just at the very beginning, right. Mm-hmm. To just around loss. So I think there's a, a lot of different, um, issues here in just the short little time that you gave us your story and it started with just miscarrying and you mentioned this concept of like grieving over something that you didn't even know that you had mm-hmm. um is it okay if we start there because it sounds like that was a significant point in in just your um journey of fertility and postpartum anxiety and depression prenatal anxiety and depression um what was that part of your life first like abby yeah. Um, it, it felt really chaotic at the time. And because a close friend of ours um, had lost her partner. Mm. And so when we miscarried, we were also in the process of like moving her back home to another province. And um, there was a lot to kind of process externally just in, mm. in my best friend's life um, around losing family members So it felt like when we had the miscarriage, because we didn't know we were pregnant, we also didn't want to then put that on anybody else to, to process with us, I guess. Right. Because people Mm. were already grieving these people who'd lived these, these full present lives. And then we just really didn't want to take anything away from that. Mm. Um, but it did mean that we had to kind of shove it aside until we could deal with it, which, which didn't really happen because life gets busy and, and things keep moving, but it did. um, It almost like it confirmed this fear that I didn't even know I had around having children when all of a sudden it was like, 
whoa, what if I can never have kids? And realizing that that was a fear I was holding on to even before the miscarriage. Wow. Um, okay. So okay. yeah, it was, it was like complicated and messy. And so we just went, okay, see you later. We'll deal with that tomorrow. Right. Okay. So it brought up these yeah, fears that you mentioned or just reflections that you didn't even know were at the surface for you. Mm-hmm. And it just shone some light on okay, this is something that I actually find to be a priority and I find to very hold valuable. But then, yeah, there's this awkwardness. I don't, that's not the word I'm looking for at all, actually, but this, I'm just going to go with awkwardness. <laughs> you had to kind of just yeah. push it to the side. Like you weren't able to hold space for it because of everything else that was going on in your life. And I mean, what was that like for you and your partner? And I, I just want to recognize, right, that um, miscarriages happen quite often, but people don't talk about them or there's this shame that goes on and guilt and then, yeah, this sadness, but am I allowed? Like all these questions that come up and and I'm just wondering what that was like for you and your partner to yeah. hold space for that when you did. Yeah, get you chance, maybe. yeah, you hit it on the head, I think, when you talk about the guilt because it's like even though, you know, it's not my fault. Uh, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not like I was, you know, out having yeah. crazy parties and mistreating my body. It just didn't work out. Right. And even though, you know, that you still feel like you're letting people down. Like you've let yourself down. You've let this baby down that your body has failed you. You've let your partner down and nobody necessarily puts that on you, but it's still there Yeah, because I think it is not talked about as often. Right. Um, so it's like, there's a shame surrounding it under the surface. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And I mean, were you guys able to talk about it with someone after or what did, you know, Yeah, I ended up seeing a counselor, um, because I was like, I would be driving to work and I would have to pull over to the side of the road because I was crying so much that I couldn't see. And so it was like really impacting my daily functioning. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, and, and I didn't even really take into account the miscarriage. It just felt like the world in general was impacting it. So yeah, I did go see a counselor, um, and talk it through. She did a bit of, um, NLP work with me, um, which was, it was helpful but then it almost, it was like, it still felt kind of heavy. And so I stopped seeing the counselor and just carried on. (laughs) Right. Okay. And then, I mean, that's okay. Like sometimes it's just, it's just too much, right? It sounds like you weren't maybe in a place to process it yet because you were still experiencing it. You were still going through that grief and and loss. And yeah, it just sounds like it wasn't the right time for you yet to sit in the meaning of it or whatever that process might've looked like. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then, so you just went on, you said you just went on with life. <laughs> um, and then you started taking care of your body or, and you said you just made it more of a priority. Um, I mean, what did that, what did that experience look like for you? Yeah. I, I started working with a naturopath to okay. just focus on, how do I get my hormones balanced? Um, we didn't, because it was like fairly early on in the pregnancy and with miscarriages, it's often just hard to tell what the yeah. reason is, right? Sometimes it just doesn't work. Um, so we, we started working with um, natural tools, with supplements and vitamins. 
And just for me to get my mindset in the place of, no, my body is here to do this. I, I am a mother. I know it. I already feel it working on what does that vision look like of having a child in our lives? And Mm, I mean, there was definitely a time when I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to have a child. And now that we have our daughter, I can't remember what life was like without her. Right. Um, So that's so beautiful. I, I don't know why that really struck me of just being able to visual, like, visualize and tell yourself like I am a mother and you know I feel it in my body and I guess where maybe that's striking me is I think I just recognize how hard that is for a lot of women to hold on to I think again that fear that fear that you were talking about where we are told oh like your bodies are made for this you're supposed to be a mom And it seems so easy yet. I mean, we're having this conversation because we recognize that it's not. And a lot of women experience that where it's actually not, it's not that easy. And it's, we have to almost rewire our brain back to this. No, we are made for this. And I, I don't know. I think that's just such an interesting cycle, right? That, that fear we're having to break past that fear and go back to what we are we're part of us, maybe, maybe not all women, I shouldn't say that, like, some women feel their purposes, right? And mm-hmm. um, I guess, what what did that look like, right, Abby? Where, how did, was that challenging, I guess, to tell yourself, I'm going to be a mom? And I mean, this is where, this is what my life's going to look like. Yeah, it was because I didn't believe it most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um And that is, you know, (laughs) a negative habit, I guess, that I I work on every single day now is Mm -hmm. this self-criticism. So I had to just work on reinforcing that I am, I'm already a mother. I'm already a mother. I'm already a mother. Yes, my child didn't make it to the world, but I'm already a mother. It's there. Yeah. Um, It's, it's not easy work for sure, but it pays off, I think, in just in the repetition of it and getting that into your brain and the persistence of the belief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to kind of touch on what you said too, about how it's not, maybe all women aren't driven by this purpose. I, I felt like that for a long way myself was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to have kids because I really love working. I'm a worker. I really love having a big career. So it's fine that we don't have kids. And then when we miscarried that narrative, mm became really apparent to me that that was the story I was telling myself so that I could feel okay Interesting. that we hadn't gotten pregnant yet. Okay. 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 And is it okay to ask Abby, were you guys trying for a long time before you had miscarried? Did, what did, is no. that where that narrative came? Okay. I was just kind of wondering where that narrative maybe kind of came from if, um, and yeah, holding space for both. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, we weren't actively trying. It was like, I just thought, oh, well, I'm a worker. I'm a career person. And, okay. and kids are for other people. And I love children. They're very fun. I love being an aunt. Um, right. But I think I'm good. I like my sleep. <laughs> um, and then, it, yeah, it was like, oh, wait, what do you mean? I, I might not be able to have this. I've changed my mind. Actually, I want it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So very, yeah, very significant point in your life that it really shifted your sense of identity, even too, that you went from just being a worker. I like my sleep. I don't need kids. I'm just the ant figure to, 
oh my god no if I'm not a mom then this is really going to shake me up Mm -hmm. okay and then okay and then so you were I mean working on yourself on health wise um mentally there were a lot of a lot of reframing and rewiring and just getting yourself back to a place of I'm going to be a mom I'm already a mom and this is the life for me um and then you mentioned anxiety and depression, I guess, come in, come up for you. And if you want to just spend some time there and how was that in your experience and the role that it played? Yeah, it, when, um, so right after Elizabeth was born, uh, we all got sick like a week after she was born with, mm. with a really bad cold. <laughs> and it felt like the worst cold ever. Uh, <laughs> now reframing it. <laughs> Obviously it wasn't, Um, but (laughs) at the time it was like, oh my gosh, how did we let this happen to our one week old baby? So there was like this guilt around that. And then the baby blues didn't go away. And my daughter cried a lot for the first three months. She was like 20 hours a day crying. Mm. And so this anxiety would build in me where I didn't want to go out in public because what if people saw my baby cry? And then what if they thought I was a bad mom? And then what if they took her away from me? And I knew I wasn't allowed to have a baby. I knew this wasn't right for me. And so having to go back to that work of, no, I am a mother. I'm allowed to be a mother. I have, I have the right to be a mother. Right. Was, yeah, that anxiety really was stopping me from acting in my life. And that had never really happened in that large of a way before where I, okay. I couldn't leave the house because of it. Okay. And so that's what you mean by acting in your life. It sounds like you were giving up different parts of your life just because of that anxiety that was coming up for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, you know, I'd, uh, we had like mom group meetups and um, things like that, that I could conveniently, you know, find a reason not to attend or, oh, Elizabeth isn't sleeping. So we're going to stay at home. But really it was just like, I, I don't think I can leave the house today. And excuse me, my husband had to go back to work. Um, my daughter was born two weeks late. So he had to go back to work sooner than we were kind of prepared okay. for. So right. there was also nobody at home to really like get me out the door. <laughs> and so it just felt so much simpler to just stay in and kind of stay and sit in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, and then I had to leave the house for her four week checkup before the doctors would come to our house for the checkup. But at the four week point, you have to go to them. Mm. So I was forced to leave the house and I cried. It's the, the hospital is a two block walk from our house. Okay. And very I, close. It's very close. And I cried the walk there. <laughs> I cried the second I entered the office and the second I like on the whole way home, I was crying. And I think it was around that point that I was like, this feels like more than the baby blues. This, Mm. this feels like it's bigger and longer and heavier than, than this baby blues. Okay. Okay. So there was this awareness piece that was coming up for you that got you to question, maybe there's something more to this. Maybe there's something else that's coming up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And because, you know, I'm a first time mom, I don't know what's normal. Um, I have, you know, friends with kids, but they don't live here. And my sister has kids, but she doesn't live here. So it, it okay. was a bit hard to identify what of this is normal and what of this right. is bigger than that. Right. And 
what's coming up for me a bit is a bit of frustration around that, that we have to question that. I'm like, oh, I don't even know the words that, you know, that what's coming up for me right now, but just hearing your experience where you have moms in your life, right? We, I mean, we read books on it. We're whatever we may do to teach ourselves beforehand. And yet here you are in, in the thick of it, questioning your experience, you know, is this supposed to happen? Is this not? And, and what's coming up for me is, okay, what's then the accurate representation that we should be telling new moms, right? Like that's, I think the frustration that's coming up for me is mm-hmm. how come we don't talk about this? How come you had to, how come you had to question that part of your, your new mom experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think at one point I read a study that said like one in 10 moms reported feelings of postpartum anxiety and depression. And so that is such a skewed number because, because we're not talking about it because there's already this, right. you know, kind of inherent mom guilt. Am I doing this right? Uh, that you don't dare admit that you're actually having a hard time on top of all the the newness of parenthood right totally totally yeah like and I mean that is (laughs) gosh that just goes way way back right of how how did we get here and why is it then that you know that you, you feel like you have to be happy and hide that no I'm actually having a hard time and Mm. I mean I should honor that I think we're getting a little bit better at it. I mean, the fact that we're having this conversation just shows growth, but there are a lot of gaps. There are a lot of gaps. I'm going to put my frustration to the side though. <laughs> and, sure. and, and just, um, and, you know, really dive a little bit deeper, Abby, into, so, you know, here you are like questioning, is this normal? And it sounds like you were pretty isolated. You were at home alone. You didn't have a lot of people to maybe lean on and, and talk to, as much as maybe you wanted to and really what was that time like by yourself with your with Elizabeth your newborn yeah I mean I did have people to talk to okay um but it's hard you don't know what to say and like probably like a lot of people when you get emotional you don't want to speak out loud right it's a it's a lot easier to send a text message and so you can feel like Oh, if I, you know, text my friend, Susan, Oh, I'm great. Elizabeth is great. I can add in that emoji, right? That smiley face and <laughs> a nice and, little LOL. <laughs> just yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Living my best life. Totally. Uh, meanwhile, I'm like sobbing while I'm texting it. So there were definitely people I, I could turn to. It just, there was that fear piece around it and also not knowing what to say. Like, who am I to complain about having a new baby when I didn't even think I could have a baby? Right. Okay. And so the, the guilt's kind of showing up there maybe, right? That mm-hmm. um, I, I was fearing even having one and now I'm here. Have I have one. And am I allowed to say that this is hard and there are days that maybe I just want to be in my bed today or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That I think is like the paradox of the situation is that yes, it's hard and it's beautiful. Mm. You know, you're tired and you're energized by your babe. And so it is this Mm. paradox of parenthood where you feel all the feelings (laughs) all at once. And sometimes one quadrant is bigger than the other. Um, 
but you're kind of afraid to show that side because you don't want to appear negative or like you don't have control. Um, Mm. especially like, I don't know, for myself, it was like, I really wanted to show my in-laws even what a great natural parent I was. And my in-laws are unbelievably amazing and supportive and loving. And it was still like, make sure you do your hair. Yeah. (laughs) So they know that like, yes, I can still shower every day with the baby. No problem. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> real thing. <laughs> right. But that's still coming up for you, even though you have these really wonderful supportive in-laws, you still felt this pressure to be 100% when you weren't, mm. you weren't 100%. And yeah, going back to, you know, saying I'm tired and you know, my baby's still giving me energy. And I think that's a classic all or nothing thinking that we like to do that black or white. Like I actually, I either have to be super happy or I'm this, and we can't have moments of just both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing as a new mom, which I'm not a mom yet, but from your experience, I'm hearing like, it feel like there is this pressure to be all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. At least that that was my experience was right. that, oh, well, I was a super high achiever in all these other areas. So therefore, mm-hmm. yeah, pass me this baby. I got this. Right. Um, there's this pressure that you put on yourself to just know what to do. And, you know, the reason they say it takes a village is because you get, you know, not only do you get a break because people can come in and look after your baby, but you get an example of of parenting, right? When you live with Mm -hmm. your aunt and your mother and your grandmother, you see all these levels and ways to parent that we don't really have right now. We don't have, especially in a pandemic, we don't have it. And we don't have it just in modern society. Like it's just not part of kind of the, I don't know, average sort of like picture of a household, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Right. Um, and I actually want to just go back to, because I think we're talking about postpartum anxiety and depression. And I recognize that maybe a lot of people actually don't even know what that is. Like Mm. the listeners may not be familiar. And, um, as we're kind of going deeper, I thought actually, maybe we'll just take a step back. And if you want to just describe probably your experience, but you know, what is postpartum anxiety and depression? Really? What does that look like and feel like for people and listeners that may just not be familiar with, with really what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it, it shows a lot of, you know, similarities to anxiety and depression and postpartum is just typically it's triggered by, you know, um, by your postpartum and prenatal hormones. Um, It can be, it can be something that is maybe you have a history of depression in your family. So for me, it showed up as like, I was crying a lot, Mm. um, way more than I felt was normal than, you know, my husband felt was normal, Mm -hmm. Um, having trouble sleeping, and you're not eating as much. And if you know, you start to go through these things, and you think, Oh, yeah, but that's like, new mom, you don't get to sleep, new mom, you don't really get to eat, new mom, you're crying. And so I think that's why it does get missed a lot of the time mm, because okay. a lot of the, the symptoms, I guess, or, or signals of postpartum anxiety and depression. Yeah, they are part of being a new parent, but you know, just because something is, is common doesn't make it normal. Right. 
Yeah. Okay. Right. That's so interesting what you just said there of, of, and using the excuse of, oh, well, you're just a new mom. You don't get to sleep or you're just a new mom. Of course you're crying. (laughs) And that piece of, yes, you're a new mom. You're also a human being. And maybe you really shouldn't be crying this month. And maybe you shouldn't be still eating and getting a good night's sleep. And that line is so sounds like blurred or overlapping or whatever that may be that it's just very difficult to pinpoint okay though what's her mental health looking like right now is this well-being or is this just yeah pressures of being a new mom yeah I think too when when like the dark thoughts are you know it's more bad days than good that's a really, really great indication. Maybe great is the wrong word, but a strong indication, <laughs> strong I guess, indication. Yeah. <laughs> of, of living in a space that's not healthy for you or your family. Um, when, yeah, it's more bad moments than good moments, mm. then um, I think that that tells you that there's something bigger going on. And when like new parent life, they, there's this phrase, they say the days are long, but the years are short. And Mm. it means, you know, your babe is going to grow up so fast before your eyes, but it also is like the first part of that is the days are long. So a bad day feels like a bad day at first forever. Right. Um, So it is sometimes hard to see beyond that and to think like, oh, I'm going to feel better tomorrow because you feel like I've always felt like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's hard to sometimes like step back and get that perspective. Okay. And were you able to step back and get that perspective? At a point I was, I mean, going to see a counselor really helped me a postpartum um, counselor helped me get that perspective. Cause also she was able to, I'm, I'm, um, very left brain and I like numbers and, and data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she could give me stats of, you know, how long it takes to on average to bond with your baby. And so I was like, Oh, okay. I, f- I fall in the average. I'm okay. Okay. And that was very helpful for me to be able to take perspective, but I would say it probably wasn't until like Elizabeth was five or six months old that I really was able to look back and go, Oh, look how much better I am on the other side of this. Mm, okay, okay. So it took it took a while, and happy to hear also that your counselor was able to provide you um, information that really stuck with you. It sounded like, like that really helped for you in the way that you process things. Mm-hmm. Um, did you seek counseling then quite soon after Elizabeth yeah. was born? So after that four week postpartum visit where I cried there and back, yeah, <laughs> um, yes. I had a conversation with my husband and we agreed that probably extra help is needed. So okay. I contacted um, my midwife and she referred me to um, the maternal mental health count- health counselor out of a hospital in Vancouver. Okay. But there was an eight week wait oh. and that whole, the days are long, but the years are short. Eight weeks felt like oh my gosh, I'm never going to get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I did look up a private um, maternal mental health counselor because I just thought if, if I don't get in to see somebody tomorrow, then I don't know Mm. how to do this on my own. I just don't know how to do it. Okay. Wow. I really, really admire that strength, Abby, because um, I mean, even the fact that after you, I mean, crying there and back from the hospital <laughs> and you being able to sit down with your partner and recognize 
okay, we may need just a little bit more help. Again, I'm not a parent myself right now. And though I do hear from a lot of other parents that's asking for help again during this time can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. It, you know, again, going back to, well, I'm supposed to just be naturally this wonderful mother and I'm able to shower and eat three meals a day and I'm drinking a green juice in the morning and doing Pilates (laughs) afternoon, whatever, you know, we may see on in the movies that, sitting down again and asking for the help. Like I really do admire that because I can only imagine how difficult that is for a lot of new parents. Mm, Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was thinking about that too, in just my experience, like how, how does one know what to look for when they're looking for resources? Because I think asking for help is not only are you afraid to ask for help because you don't want to appear like you don't know what you're doing, but you also just sometimes don't know what to ask for. You don't know what to Google. You don't know what to search. Totally. So having that counselor be able to, you know, have that experience to come in and say, here is what I think will work for you, or this is an avenue you could explore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, And, and what, I guess, were those avenues that were really helpful for you? Yeah. for She um, told me about a program out of North Vancouver, the Spectrum Women's Society, Mother Support Society, um, where they support new moms. They can come into your home and Mm. take your baby while you have a shower and help you clean and help you cook. And I didn't take advantage of that service because I had this whole kind of peace around not feeling worthy of that help because Mm. I had a husband, I have a family. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, there are women out there doing this on their own. They should get priority. Um, but now in hindsight, I wish I had taken advantage of it, but also in hindsight, I know about it and can tell other people about it. So you're listening. Yeah. Spectrum. 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 It's so, it's just such a beautiful resource. And I think, you know, Matt, no matter where listeners are, there is something like that out there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's more resources out there than I think we even realize, but it's like we were talking about, like, you, you just don't even know what to look for sometimes. Yeah. Don't even know what, yeah, what kind of help is out there. And I actually didn't know about that service either. So definitely going to keep that in mind for any clients that I might have, or just people in, in my life that may be experiencing a similar experience as you, Mm -hmm. um, spectrum in North Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Really good service. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Though also to what you were just saying there too, struck me, lots of things are striking me today that you're saying um, about not feeling worthy of the help because you had a strong support system. And I think that just, I mean, it ties back to a lot of things that we've discussed of seeking out help and feeling like you need it or or deserve it, sorry, when you do need it. Mm -hmm. Um, And in hindsight, sounds like I mean, you knew you were worthy now, but there was a time there where you just felt like that wasn't for you. Yeah, I think it was like similar to when we experienced the the grief around the miscarriage was like not wanting Mm. to pull attention or pull resources from anyone who's suffering more than us. Um, The human experience is that like my worst day is still my worst day, regardless of what the value of of that or the weight of it is. 
And so, yeah, it's something that I realize now in hindsight, after having kind of done, done the work in that area and through, through mindset training. Um, mm-hmm. But in that moment, it didn't feel like I was deserving enough to need that help. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though you knew during that time that you were at your lowest and you mm-hmm. were feeling like you needed that support, there was still something stopping you. And what you just said there as well of, you know, your out of your human experience, right? Like your bad day is still your bad day. Um, reminded me of, you know, when just people say like, yeah, well, like people have it worse or I always found that personally, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure it helps for a lot of people, but personally for me, I always found that really hard to swallow because if you're still upset about it, then you, you still hold space for being upset about whatever that may happen. And yes, we can constantly compare, but then it just invalidates your own experience and, wherever we are, whatever place we're in, we're okay. We're allowed to have bad days. That doesn't mean that we're not grateful mm-hmm. for whatever we're, whatever we have in our lives. And again, going back to you, like you can be sad. That doesn't mean you're ungrateful for Elizabeth and you're, and having a child and again, being able to carry both. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. It is that balance of acknowledging that there definitely are people in the world who are suffering more than I am, but it doesn't make my suffering less. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. We're all deserving of like the help and support that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Abby, how old is Elizabeth now? How? Yeah, she's so she's one and almost two months. So she's almost 14. Right, December. Old. December 2019. Okay. So a 14 month old now, and you now, I don't know if it's still considered a new mom or not. Probably some some days feels like it. (laughs) Some days you have a bit more experience, but, um, where are you at now? What's, what's life looking like now? Um, in every, in every aspect, I guess of that. It's, uh, it looks great. Um, <laughs> there's, there's always moments, right? These moments kind of come up um, where the anxiety sets in or she cries. And because she cried so much in the beginning, that can be triggering for me. Right. Um, but I, I, having been through it and come to the other side of it, I can, I do have that perspective now to look back and go, this is not the hardest day. I've actually mm. already done the hard things. And um even though the moments happen, I can get through them faster. I have tools at my disposal now, you know, part of my postpartum journey introduced me to using essential oils and natural health products to just help my own mental health state. And so that was huge for me to be able to grab something that could shift my mood in a second. And for me to have the power and not be on like an eight week waiting list. Yes. Was, was, that was a big deal for me. And um, I also found a great community in a mindset coaching program that really helped me to acknowledge the trauma and also find a way to take action and move forward Mm -hmm. with it. Um, So life is full. Elizabeth is nonstop energy, which is really cool to watch because she Mm -hmm. is so fearless this girl like she just it doesn't occur to her to be scared because she's only 14 months old Mm -hmm. so that is really inspiring for me to watch 
a being from the beginning just do what she feels inspired to do in the moment because she's 14 months old and she can. Right. Yeah. That really warmed my heart, right? That like, yeah, she's 14, only 14 months, but yet she's kind of teaching you also not to be fearful. And I mean, connecting that to just the anxiety that like that fear, that fear that we started off this conversation with, she's Mm -hmm. teaching you like, Hey mom, let's just live every day and just go for it. I love that. I love kids. They really do warm my heart. It's been pretty magical to watch and experience. Like you, you'll always hear people, or at least I did, or my mom would say, Oh, you'll understand when you have kids and just wait till you have kids. And I'm like, Oh man, I get it now. I get what Mm. she's saying in that regard of just, to love so unconditionally that like Elizabeth, she's a biter and she'll, (laughs) she'll get you if you're not paying attention. (laughs) Um, But it doesn't matter because she just is feeling all her feelings. And that is so powerful to see her Mm. just feel her feelings right out front. And so I never want her to feel that they're not valid, that she's not worthy of having these feelings that she can cry and she can laugh. And she, I mean, not bite. I don't want her to bite. (laughs) (laughs) I used to be a pincher growing up. Like, and I'm sure my mom felt the same way. I used to pinch everyone around me. Like, where does that come from? Where does the biting come from? Who knows? Oh no. I stopped pinching. I'm sure she'll stop biting. (laughs) We have a dog. So sometimes I think like, does she think she's a dog? And just like, like bite at the toys. And Maybe. That'd be pretty funny. That's actually very funny. I would love to just see them probably play in like your dog's bed, just chewing on some toys. Yeah. That's so funny. I love that. Oh, she sounds like a bundle of joy for sure. Pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. And now you also have, I mean, you've written a chapter in a in a book mm-hmm. maybe if you want to just spend some time talking about that and I guess moving into what can we tell moms who may be experiencing postpartum anxiety depression and prenatal because you also felt that as well mm-hmm. yeah that was a really exciting experience I mean it's still going on we're still in the editing process um but being part of this co-authorship of women so the book is called mama's gotta grow and it just really um is so representative of what I think everybody is feeling parent or not in the, you know, this last year of experience Mm -hmm. in finding ways to grow through it all. And, um, writing was interesting because, you know, hindsight is 2020 and I'm writing about this postpartum experience. And I'm like, was it that bad? Maybe it wasn't that bad, <laughs> which right. I know too is also like how women go on to have multiple children because you can easily forget, forget. what the birth experience was like. <laughs> um, oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I realized too how much um, that even though there are resources out there for moms, I couldn't find them. So that means there are probably mm. other moms who can't find them. So, so that was what spurred it for me was wanting to just talk more about this. I um, was not afraid to ask for help. I had a lot of fear around a lot of things, but when it fin- when I finally got so low that I needed help, I, I did it. And so I feel like that is my superpower is that maybe I can speak on behalf of the mothers who are afraid to say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would say to them is people want to help you 
and they just maybe don't know how to help you. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of like twofold, I guess, is for the people who are experiencing it, you're not alone. You're not the only one going through this and it's not normal and it doesn't have to be normal. You can get help and it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't mean you've failed. It doesn't mean anything of that. It's actually only going to make you stronger and serve your family better. Mm. If you can just take that step, just if, even if you can just send a message to somebody that is like, Hey, here's the real me today. And it's mm. the sad emoji instead of the smiling one. Yeah. Um, people want to help. They, they do want to help. I believe that people are inherently good and it's just that they don't know how, right. It's like yeah. you hear when people are grieving and somebody says, Oh, let me know if I can do anything. But the person grieving is never going to let them know because they don't know what to ask for. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's kind of like the other side of it is for the people who, who see it, who maybe see somebody struggling instead of saying, let me know if there's anything I can do say, Hey, I'm going to come by at 12 o'clock tomorrow and I'll take the baby for a walk if you want to have a shower mm. or I can make you lunch. Um, but I'll be there at 12 unless you have the door locked and you absolutely don't want me in the house or it, it's hard with the pandemic, obviously, but, yeah. but even like setting up a zoom call, um, really specific offerings of help, I think are the best for people who are grieving, who are experiencing depression and anxiety and, you know, postpartum and prenatally. Yeah. Okay. Really, really great takeaway. I think for sure, because I think the easiest thing a lot of us do is, Hey, just let me know. And great point there that a lot of the times the person that is struggling really does not even know what they need. There is a million things that I'm sure that they need at that time. So it sounds like with new parents, it really is just being really proactive on that. I'm coming by today, or this is exactly what we're doing. Um, my grand being specific. And if they say no, then they say no, but at least there was that opportunity for help that they Mm -hmm. could really tangibly take. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to own that, like, again, easy for me to say in hindsight, but that you are worthy of getting the help that, Mm -hmm you know, handing your neighbor or your sister or your aunt, your crying baby is not giving them, you're not doing anything wrong by doing that. Um, you are giving yourself that moment of peace and a break. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when Elizabeth was in her crazy crying phases, my husband and I would just trade off and like, okay, you got to hold the crying baby for 20 minutes while I pretend to take a nap or yeah. Um, yeah. To just give yourself that space to allow yourself a moment to recover and reset. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's another great takeaway. And, um, remember, I remember you mentioning, right. That even just taking like the essential oil and just, Mm. you know, using that as something for you to just find a second of peace, I think, yeah, really emphasizing you are worthy of that second of peace, putting yourself first for just a second. I mean, you mentioned in, in the long term will benefit your family, your baby. You don't need to put yourself in this place of suffering because at the end of the day, then everyone is just going to suffer. And how can, how can you just make yourself feel better for a minute? Yeah, you're, you're, that's exactly it. And my sister gave me really great advice early on was um, that Elizabeth is going to cry. So if she cries for one more minute while I make myself a tea, it will be okay. 
She's not in harm. I can see her. She's safe. She's just wants to be on me, but one more minute is going to be okay. Okay. I really like that, right? That she's already crying. She's been crying for hours anyways. <laughs> Might as well make make some this good peppermint tea that I can drink now while she's crying at least. Exactly. <laughs> Great advice from your, from your sister that oh. I will take for myself one day. Yes. My sister's a genius. I relied on her a lot. <laughs> good. I mean, it's so great to hear though, that you were able to have someone to rely on in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we wind down, I like to ask my guests this, you know, um, what would you tell your past self? What would you tell maybe new mom, Abby going through all of that? Um, what would you say to her now? I would tell her to just slow down. Mm. You don't have to have it all figured out in the moment today. It's going to be okay. So just slow down and be with your babe. Mm. I like that. I'm just picturing like you holding her right now and just, mm. I love that. Um, thank you so much, Abby, for, for coming on and being very vulnerable and raw about your experience. Again, um, I think this is something that we don't talk about enough and when we do there's this sunshiny bright light on it a lot of the times and I think really recognizing that it is not all rainbows and butterflies and sometimes it can get pretty dark I really 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 am grateful that you were able to shine light on that today because um, we just need to hear it more we need to hear it more and it's okay it's okay to hear it and be in it thank you thanks for having me on it's just been so I, the conversations themselves, I find are part of my own healing process. So the more I can yeah. talk about it, the, the better I think, you know, we can all be by just sharing in that common experience. Yeah. Well, I thank you. I mean, I'm humbled then to provide you this platform to be part of that healing experience. Um, and very, again, nice to meet you. <laughs> Um, so at every episode, I like to end my episodes with three human first podcast questions. Um, is it okay if I ask you them now? You bet. What is one thing that you're grateful for? Uh, I can only pick one. <laughs> I get, I say this every time I should just say, what are you grateful for? I'm going to reframe backtrack. Abby, what are you grateful for? <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for my family. I am so unbelievably grateful for, for my, my beautiful, beautiful family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the second question, what makes you feel like your best self? Uh, when I can be out in nature and like breathing the air of the trees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you live in North Van, so there's lots of that. Yeah. This is yeah. why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> Mama needs it. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, and then my third and last question um, what does being human mean to you? Being human means the opportunity to be part of, of a community to share love and knowledge with each other and to build on each other's strengths Mm -hmm. and to experience it all. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. Community. That's what came up for me when you're speaking community. Um, Well, thank you again, Abby. It was such a pleasure speaking to you today. It really brightened up my day and I learned so, so much from you. So really, truly appreciate it. Thank you, Leah. I appreciate you as well. Mm -hmm.